This is Bijou Banter on KRUI 89.7 Iowa City Sound Alternative with your host, Sam McCrory. Um, Eli Boone and Vale is out of town this week. Um, I believe he's doing a presentation at the Milwaukee Film Festival or some sort of film festival Toronto. up there. Toronto. It's at an academic. I could be wrong. Okay. But anyway, Molly, Molly Bagnall is here. Um, and Jess Roy will be joining us. She, uh, They are having a little um, car, car troubles. Trouble. Um, as you may have looked out your window, it is horrible outside. It is really freaking cold. But we have made it here to the Carry UI studios here in Iowa City. And we are doing a documentary double feature today on Bijou Banter. The first film we're going to speak about is um, Mining the Gap, which is a... Like I said, a documentary film came out in 2018. Um, the film is directed by Bing Liu, um, who is from Rockford, Illinois, and which is obviously just stayed over from us in Iowa. And it's kind of in northern Illinois. Um, I wouldn't call it a suburb of, of Chicago, but it's it's more towards the Wisconsin border. Um, and so the film really kind of it's kind of almost like a personal essay. And you can probably maybe we can talk about this too. But similar to Shirkers, it's a, it's a, almost like a personal essay. Um, with him and his, his two buddies, um, I'm blanking on their names already. Um, uh, Zach, Zach and, and, and Kair. Um, yeah, Kair. Um, and they are kind of talks about their lives growing up in Rockford, Illinois. Um, all three of them are skateboarders. Um, and so it kind of really, skateboarding is kind of the background for them talking about their families and them growing up and, and, and modern day masculinity and the, all kind of all three of them had to deal with them um, domestic abuse as well so the, the film mm-hmm. kind of hits on that as well um the film is shot by bing it's directed by bing it was edited by him and then like shot over quite a few yeah, years. yeah it's about it's, like maybe like eight years yeah it, like there's lots of footage of all these um they're in their 30s the char- now yeah there's like lots of footage of them of all these like people characters so yeah. to speak they're real people but like in terms of speaking, yeah. like characters, as like you know, when they're, they're f- looks like they're fourteen or fifteen, all the way up until the present day. Yeah, like at the end when they show Zach, yeah. he's like, you know, it's completely different. Old. Yeah, yeah. Old dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, the film did screen at I believe Sundance, um, and it screened also here in Iowa City, part of the film scene Vino Verite series, where Bing I believe was in attendance. Um, the I... films, the films got pretty good reviews. It just got nominated for. Um, an Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. So we'll start the conversation with Mining the Gap. Molly, thoughts? I, this film, it it's kind of like difficult for me to like speak on it because I think there's lots of things I really, really love about it. And then there's also things that are, you know, fine. They're just very like typical, mm-hmm. like documentary fair. And then moments and like things that like I just did not like at all. I think, I feel the film is a little bit uneven. It goes like, I the tone is really is can be all over the place which is fine but i it's really difficult for me to gauge how i feel about this film because i think there's like any all of like the tracking shots or footage of uh like them skateboarding mm-hmm. is so good like yeah, the, the very like very beginning of the film i thought was like the very beginning and then like the ending i thought were like the best yeah, parts of the he's film re- he's really really good at doing these Mm-hmm. skating tracking shots yeah. the camera work is top-notch i thought yeah. it was really amazing yeah um i I, do, I don't know how i feel yet about like i just watched it like an hour ago yeah, finished sure. it an hour ago um but i don't know how i feel about like there's this wide cast of characters that are in the film yeah. and there's definitely a feeling that of like you get more on some less on some um don't know if i like got enough like on certain people to mm-hmm. like feel like it's doing them justice i feel yeah um for those listening the kind of the other characters in the film are really zach's girlfriend they have um i would say an unplanned uh, pregnancy or kind yeah of like, like you know, yeah an unplanned pregnancy they're both and when they both have their child they're i think she's 21 yeah she like just turned 21 and he's a little bit older than her i believe and so um she's a she's kind of another character um that comes in and out of the story um the parents of each character the parents of each child are kind of in the story a little bit um being himself is in the movie as well the director um mm-hmm. him and his mother have this really intimate conversation and i thought I think, that was my favorite part of the yeah film, oh my god it's so the, the conversation between bing and his mother i thought i wish that had been i wish that had been more centered it's so heart-wrenching yeah and it's i think maybe the emotional thrust of the whole film mm-hmm. is kind of hinged on being 
Newton's relationship with his mom and the way that this film is yeah. kind of a uh, personification or like manifestation of like what Bing has had to deal for with. For sure. Yeah. I think one of the things that he tries to, that he's trying to get at here is um, that he sees himself in each one of these guys or he sees mm-hmm. with Zach and, and Kair, um, they see, you know, obviously Kair was also abused by his dad, just like mm-hmm. Bing was abused by his stepdad. Um, and with Zach, you see, we, we see a, a recording of Zach physically abusing his girlfriend and, you know, he's trying to, I think, draw some parallels between both of um, these two men who are both of his friends. I mean, and, and kind of draw a parallel to his life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to get at here? Um, did you see um, Hale County this year? Good morning. No. Good evening. Good good morning, Hale County. Yeah. I, I, I did not. Yeah, also should have, you know, Verite. Um, but one of the things I actually really, really enjoyed about this movie, and I've heard a lot about from Hale County, too, which is also nominated for an Academy Award, is... And you can make the, I, I think you can make the argument too about Shirkers. It's like, this feels just like incredibly human. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And just, you know, you see, yeah, especially and this I, one where you see these guys grow up over yeah. like six or seven years and you're just like, this feels so, and it's I like Shirkers so personal yeah. and so touching. Almost. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that the f- filmmaker, at least in Shirkers and in this film, and I don't know about Hill County, that they are very much making a film about about like other people but also mm-hmm. about like about them yeah. about like their experience and about themselves and so there's never like this feeling in um minding the gap that bing is going into somewhere where he doesn't like yeah, exactly. u- that he doesn't usually occupy mm-hmm. it very much feels like one day he just picked up a camera did all of his normal things and just and like recorded this and then you know 10 years later he's like, oh, I'm going to make a film about this and like kind of put all this footage together, put together some interviews. Um, and I, it just, it seems very authentic. It comes off as like, yeah. and I'll, that's helped by the amount of, the amount that like Bing himself is in the film, like either from his voice coming yeah. from behind the camera yeah. to him being in front of the camera, like talking. Um, yeah, because it starts out that we don't think he's going to be in it a lot. And then yeah. the film kind of really progresses into a state where, you know, wow, he's really a central character in this. Mm-hmm. And you can really tell that it's it's more yeah. of almost kind of a personal essay with him. Yeah, yeah. When he makes these correlations about mm-hmm. about Kair and Zach to his own um, childhood and his own. I mean, they were all friends, but, you know, they've, they've each had different experiences. Um, I think it's worth noting that each kind of personality, like Bing uh, um, is an Asian American man um, and his... His mother, I believe, is was an immigrant who immigrated yeah. here, and then her, and then his stepdad is was originally from Illinois, and then Kair, originally from Rockford, who is an African American man, um, and then Zach, who is just a white guy, but he's also he's kind of the probably I'd say the most troubled out of all three. Yes, um, definitely, and one who kind of kind of brings his own burden on brings his own burden onto himself. Yeah, um, I think I think the character like Zach in this film is really interesting yeah, because I think it's the most. Like he's got the most, I don't want to say it, baggage, but I, I, it's not baggage. I think he's just the most complicated where every other person that's in this film, you kind they're, they're kind of always the same, like, mm-hmm. or you see steady. They're, they're like, they're dynamic and it's not like, Oh, they're like boring or monotone, mm-hmm. but like they're, they kind of always have like the same, like general, mm-hmm. like demeanor. They like that. They will always, they're always kind. Whenever you see them, you know what you're about to like hear about. But Zach goes like oscillates wildly yeah, between, yeah. and I don't know how much of that is like the editing choices or the yeah. filmmaking, or if that's just the way that he is. And I think that's something interesting is that like when you first meet Zach, he's just like this really like easygoing guy. He really cares about his son, and then it's like slowly weird, like oh, he physically yeah, he, abused his girlfriend. He, he moved to Denver. He kind of is an alcoholic. Yeah. He like all of that. It's kind of weird because I don't know. In the beginning, you kind of want to root for this guy, where you're like you're working you're doing it but then you're like oh you're an alcoholic and you're you beating eat. your girlfriend you're mm-hmm. like you're kind of horrible and then he's like but then he just kind of abandons them and then he kind of comes back and you're like i don't know how i feel about you versus the other characters obviously we see Kair, he kind of he's getting a job he gets mm-hmm. promoted and then he moves away and it's really his progression really kind of takes off and obviously yeah. bing too i mean his progression 
through filming, obviously, his career. Right. Yeah, is, not, he just got nominated for an Academy yeah, Award. Even yeah. his, his progression is almost like said for himself. In, inherent. As soon as you like see like where he, in, him in the film at first, you're like, oh, I know where this guy has ended up because you, you, that you're watching the film that he for made. For sure, yeah. And I thought one of the most interesting parts of the film for me was this group of, I think they're like college students they're like you know young like maybe my a little bit younger than me or older than me who the the, they're like Kair's friends yeah new friends that they were like talking about Kair's I think significantly at the time like I said we don't know they don't give their ages out really Mm -hmm. um but I I would assume he's probably maybe maybe older than us now because Bing's like he's 30 now so maybe he's maybe Kair's like 23 something like that it's something that they make that didn't make uh, really apparent, but good. Right, continue. but there's like this conversation that happens between this cast, this like people who we don't really know. They're not really introduced. They're mm-hmm. just like kind of like, oh, these are Kaiers, like other skating friends, um, who say like who who are, are talking about Zach, and they are, they're like, oh, well, like I can skip class because Zach skips class and he's fine. But then they're saying like how that no longer is true that they're like oh i'm so glad that i did not Mm -hmm. like drop out like zach did because like i thought that was like really interesting and telling Mm -hmm. and another thing i think is interesting about this film is that i think the reason like the what it's like known for is what i thought was like the least interesting part about it which is the skateboarding yeah for sure i thought i every time they talked about skateboarding it that is when it really felt like this is just it, it very cliched like um typical conventional documentary oh yeah whereas like skateboarding's my life it's the only thing and you know it's it's like it's interesting and it's i'm, I'm not doubting the authenticity or heart d- yeah it definitely plays second fiddle though at points and but it it does just like feel when you when they talk about it it's like yeah this is i mean this is how everyone describes their like passion or hobby like yeah, this is sure. how people will describe like music or dancing or like anything and so i thought that was definitely the least interesting thing but it kept being like brought up mm-hmm. and then i just kind of wanted it to just kind of drop off and i did not sure. really like at a certain point i was like i don't really care about the skateboarding mm-hmm. anymore like at all yeah totally um we're gonna take a quick break to a quick psa and we'll be right back to talk about a little bit more about mining the gap we'll be right back here on bg banter all right and we're back here on bg banter on care ui 89.7 iowa city sound alternative we're talking about mining the gap a 2018 documentary film that talks about um skateboarding and growing up in, in in Rockford, Illinois. And one of the main things about the film is kind of tied, and they really tell this in the beginning is just talking about modern masculinity. And as a female viewer, did you really, I mean, did you get, did you have any really good takeaways from this film or did you know, is it one of those about things that masculinity, not about just not about masculinity, oh, okay. but about growing up in general. I mean, masculinity is kind of almost like skateboarding where it's, it's kind of, tied in a little bit with them growing up um but they, they mentioned it a couple times and um i'm just going from a female perspective what do you think about it yeah i don't know i feel as though there's there's one particular female character i was really interested in that's nina zach's girlfriend mm-hmm. and you can tell that there is like a great att- like attempt like ho- heartfelt earnest attempt to like kind of like rope her into this like greater cast of characters so that yeah. we do not just kind of get zach's mm-hmm. like view on their like unhealthy that's yeah that's abusive true. relationship Cause it, yeah cause and it, i guess my, my question i'm i'm still like questioning what how successful that was um because obviously they could have just gotten zach's opinion on it and been very one-sided about it right. but they go to her and then they go back to him actually a little they when they confront the abuse in the movie um they go to her first Mm-hmm. and then um they go back to him and they're like hey we heard this tape of you yeah um another one one thing i thought was really interesting and maybe like really showing the like edges of like this the documentary like the filmness of this film mm-hmm. is when bing is in the back seat of the car as nina and zach are like going to get like oh, yeah. dinner and zach goes in to like order the food to like bring it out and while he's in there uh bing asks nina like um do you want me to like how should i ask zach about like him hitting you and she's like you do not do not do that please do not um which i thought was really interesting because like one that's a filmmaker like kind of confronting that the fact that this even though he is making like a film he is making a film about real people and this has about his best friends actually that was another thing i follow someone on letterboxd who 
his, his review um said that the screening he went to that bing was at that bing said he barely knew zach and kair when he first really? started making this film which really? is really surprising because it does Cause not it, yeah. read that way at all it looks like they're best friends it looks like they've been best friends since they were nine but um back to anyway um <laughs> as a, a side over like confronting the fact that no even though he is making a film and he like wants to make the best film possible mm -hmm. that whatever he does does have direct in like impacts on these people that he sees that he knows and i thought that was really interesting and also interesting how much bing gets and how all the personal moments that he yeah, sees for sure. it like there were so many times that i was like i feel like we should not be viewing this because this is like a personal it's really exchange personal. between these two people um that we don't know it's like mm -hmm. it's a fight between um like nina and zach and uh, like in their in their own house and so it's like why are we even watching view, why are we yeah. even, why is why is being in this house at this right at this moment mm -hmm. we are joined now by jess roy uh car troubles <laughs> Be darned. Bijou board, finance, director. Yeah. Welcome. Hello. Yeah. Talking about Mining the Gap. You watched it, right? Yes, I did. This did you morning. go Did you go to the Vino Verite about it? No, I didn't. Okay. Did either of you? No, we were no. talking about I, it. Though. I watched it yeah. an hour ago. So yeah. very, very uh, first reaction. For sure. I tried twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to get into kind of before we hit, hit our break and start talking about sugars is I think one of the big things I took away from this film, um, I think what really speaks to, I think a lot of us, and I think a lot of Midwesterns is this theme of getting out of where you used to grow up. Yeah. Because that's what Kair talks a lot about. And I think maybe Zach's character hits on, Zach's character is a real person uh, that Zach kind of hits on too. Is, I always say character in documentary. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, but they really, especially like the last 30 minutes of this film, they really talk about how, you know, they want to grow up. They want to move out and they want to get out of Rockford. And I think that really honestly hits home for a lot of people who live in the Midwest where you're not yeah. really around a big city and you want to explore the world. And I, I definitely, that's, that's, that's something I hear so much, especially coming from a small town in Iowa, is mm -hmm. people not falling into this trap of returning home mm -hmm. and living with your parents in, in and being just like especially because the film is kind of um always kind of set against this backdrop of rockford illinois yeah, being kind of like a, a bad town. impoverished city impoverished yeah. where there's you know several times later you'll hear news clips playing over that are just like rockford voted most dangerous city unemployment yeah. in rockford yeah. is sky high and, minimum wage is like and the reason why yeah. I, I brought up that it's not you know because a lot of people when they think of sometimes bad cities they can be a little bit synonymous with chicago and you know some troubles they've had in the past but this you know brockford isn't in chicago it's not even a suburb of chicago it's just you know it's even farther it's farther west than dekalb you know it's it's farther away and you know these things can it's not just urban poverty and you know high urban areas that you can see these things you can see industry collapse and and, and they make a point that and, and especially in the in the uh description of the film that this is a rust belt city i don't know a lot about the city of uh, the history of rockford and what their uh major industries were there so i mean i'll be wondering to, to see what would be you know if maybe right. because of the way yeah. things are going now that these people are impoverished because of shutting down industries and stuff mm -hmm. like that so but i think it's definitely a backdrop and um i thought it was interesting i, I know i know you're from des moines so maybe you have a little i'm not from des moines you're from story right so you're from story, you're story county right yeah i'm from okay. ames yeah ames just where are you from yeah, I'm from New Jersey, like okay. suburb of New York you, City. Kind okay, of thing. so you're 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 big city. Not not big, big city, city big but like, city. Like kind of like northeastern, I mean, yeah. coastal mean, elite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you coastal elites. Um, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not sure. I was kind of getting at the kind of talking about that, and it's definitely I don't know if you if if either of you two have really um, kind of seen this theme. You know, after you left yeah. high school. And, you know, I know it's definitely a big thing in, in Iowa, especially my, my graduating class was 52 people. And kind of the, the big fear is, you know, you don't want to get stuck mm -hmm. in where you grew up. And that's, that's, that's honestly, like, aside from death, that's a big fear from a lot of kids in rural Iowa. And I can see yeah. in rural Illinois, rural, any Midwestern city. Midwestern ennui. Like... Sorry. Sorry. No, no, you go. What I said was dumb. <laughs> I feel like with this film, it goes beyond just, like, 
wanting to get out of the space that you're mm-hmm. in, but also like wanting to get out of like the cyclical poverty and exactly, like, yeah. the systems of like abuse and how that like just keeps going on and on through like, and I feel like that's the trap that they're trying to escape less than like the place that they're in. Because like, I think it's only like Zach that actually like leaves, leaves. Right? Yeah, Zaire leaves at the end. Kyrie, sorry, Kyrie leaves. But he doesn't, does he leave the town or does he just? Yeah, he travels, he moves to Denver. Okay. At the end of the movie. Wait, he does? No. Yeah, no. remember he, remember? No, no, Zach goes to Denver. No, Kyrie goes to Denver too. Remember he's packing up his stuff and he's talking to his mom. And the last scene in the movie is him driving away. But I don't, is he but going to Denver? to Denver? I think it was. Are you sure? I'm pretty. Because Zach goes to Denver and then yeah. comes back. Well, I felt like the only person that talked about getting out of the space was mainly like Zach mm-hmm. and like. Mm-hmm. But then he comes back. I mean, he does come back. And what blew me when he like came back was that like people were too privileged, and it's kind of like he was like he wanted to be not privileged he wanted to not admit his privilege as like a white person yeah even within a town that is i also thought that was like a person who like suffers suffers like from poverty it's kind of like he still has the access to resources like you know to fly out there yeah Yeah. he meets this like white woman who's like yeah i'll fly you out i I thought that was really yeah i I don't think that's an option for like bing or like here in the film you know Mm -hmm. i thought that was really interesting that he because like Right as he's like saying like yeah it was just full of people who are so privileged and like I don't want to be around that but then like every other every other like thing that he has he's like yeah my girlfriend bought this like his girlfriend bought him a hundred and eighty dollar like Uber, Uber yeah. to the airport to, to the like, Milwaukee airport to the Milwaukee airport and then pays for his call like flight to Colorado and then She's it's like, like you're oh gonna you're, you're gonna live with me in her apartment that she pays and rent on and, and then she paid for the tattoo of her name <laughs> that he got and so I thought that was like. And interesting, like, a, like that, like ten minutes in the film. Yeah, that's I, a good point like, because what? you're kind of like, dude, you're talking about how you want to get out and how you're and how you're struggling so much. I'm like, but people, at least for him, people are helping him. You know, like yeah, his girlfriend yeah. was helping him, and like Kyrie was doing everything on his own. Yeah. Um, and really striving to get his own job and do that, and he's he was saving up money. But and I don't know. At least for I think I think Zach is 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 the most kind of troublesome story because he is the one who's falling in this circle, this yeah. cyclical process. I, of, I think it's almost yeah. Zach is like an example of like is made an example of like this is like what Bing and Kai are like trying to of of avoid, avoid yeah. almost. And I in like so many moments there would, like when he was in, working at the restaurant in Colorado, he's like, yeah, I drink less. And then two seconds later, he holds up like a cup and he's like, there's yeah. liquor in this. Yeah. Like, like it's yeah. things yeah. like that that I that it's really another, like, that's another tough thing to talk about too is his alcoholism mm-hmm. and how that's just like it's really really affecting him mm-hmm. obviously and it's affecting his relationships it's, I think it's even ref, uh, affecting kind of you know his interviews in the film too definitely yeah because yeah. a lot of the scenes where he's being interviewed he he's drinking yeah and um, especially like the final like very like heartfelt scene where yeah. he's sitting yeah. by a where lake he, where he admits to the abuse and, mm-hmm. and he's, th- he's drinking i think that's one interesting aspect about like this being an observational documentary like i think it was kier who said like this is like free therapy like just yeah. to be able to be honest about like the like bad things that you do the good things that you do the things you struggle with like to be able to just say that out loud forces you to like examine yourself. And I think that's something that Zach was forced to do yeah. in the making of this film and why mm-hmm. he was able to get to the end and be like, I've been shitty, you yeah. know? Yeah. So. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Um, and I think, uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something about, and I think for, th- for Bing especially, this this kind of operated as like therapy, mm-hmm. and because it really feels like oh, for sure. through yeah. the making of it, he really he had like that conversation with his mom that was so heart wrenching, and like yeah. the two like camera setups on that interview where like he has a camera on his mom and then someone else has a camera on him, yeah, which I thought was like this really really interesting thing, and then it ends and his face is like barely in the frame. And so then amazing. it, but then at the very end, it you can see him and his mom like at a restaurant, like eating oh, yeah. and laughing together. Yeah, I don't know. I got oof. it hits. It hits too. And when they when they do when they uh, um, 
and they do kind of like a review since they were like kids and they like show them growing up. I was like, oh boy. I'm like, this is really hitting me. I'm like, the only time I actually really felt that is when I saw Step. And when they mm. were graduating in Step, I was like, oh my God, this is so it's awesome. It's like really cathartic oh, to it's, watch. It's, it is really cathartic to watch. And I thought the same thing too. And it was like, especially that, that scene with his mom that we were talking about and how his mom was talking about um, her abuse and with her step, with um, being stepdad and just... Because they, they really cut it, really. They cut it when, when Zach admits to the abuse and then they cut it too. Right, because it's like really the cycle that doesn't end. And, yeah. And like... It's 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 pretty it's tough to watch. And I know I know what's interesting is that Bing, like making the film, was, was troubled by it. Oh, for sure. You know, like when he asks um, Nina, like, should I talk to him? And she's like, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. And he struggles with like, how, to, how do we keep people accountable... When like, you know, he even says like, or like here says, um, like, yeah, my dad physically like abused me, but like, I also love him and yeah. kind of that like, mm-hmm. yeah, they touch on that both too. things ex- existing at the same time. And like, that's why I think it's so interesting that this like exists as something that's like not judgmental and lets you kind of as a viewer do work to pull out like the issues that are there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost do like a, yeah, a, a personal reflection after you watch it about how, yeah. you know, what your opinions are on on domestic abuse and, and, and other things yeah. it's very much like a documentary that doesn't necessarily guide for sure i mean it, i mean it does because like yeah. all film does but i think for the subject matter that it deals with and for the way that it's filmed i think it's remarkable how much it does not like guide the viewer to say like well this is bad this person is bad this mm-hmm. person is obviously the villain mm-hmm. um yeah and it's not preachy at all. Yeah, it's not preachy. It's not like, oh, yeah. well, look at this. Look at uh, Zach. He's a jerk. He Yeah, it doesn't pick al- a side. Yeah, it does not make, uh, like, judgment, character judgments on anyone. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, not related to what I just said, but I wa- just wanted to point out, like, the I think my favorite part of the film is when Nina is, like, saying, like, yeah, I've always been something to someone. I was someone's daughter. I was someone's sister. Then I was someone's significant other, and now I'm <laughs> someone's mom. And I've never just been, like to myself exactly. and she's like and now yeah. i think that's why i'm so messed up right now and I was like, yeah all right that's probably gonna end our discussion we gotta we gotta have some time to talk about shirkers too but that's gonna end our discussion on mining the gap like i said 2018 documentary directed by bing liu um nominated for an academy award for best documentary feature um this upcoming academy awards so um it's available on hulu um if it, they picked up its distribution so if you have a hulu subscription and you're interested and you know, this topic or, if, you know, if you have some semi-interest in skateboarding too, I mean, definitely check it out. And now we're going to move into our second film of the day. And that is going to be Shirkers. Um, Shirkers is also a 2018 documentary. Um, this is directed by Sandy Tan. Um, and Molly, I'm actually have you introduce this film because you saw this at True False, right? Yeah. The and premiere. you did a review I did. On it. Um, I have your review pulled up. If, if Oh, boy. Um, it's just gonna be a dramatic reading of my uh, yeah. review of Shirkers. Yeah, but I'm going to let you introduce it since you're the... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you the, um, the Shirkers expert here. Yes. So Shirkers is a documentary film made by Sandy Tan um, that tracks... That is about the production of a fiction film that she made in the 90s, 80s, yes. 90s. Yeah. Um, also called Shirkers. Also called Shirkers. And she and her two best friends, um, they, they loved films. They, she describes how she like did, would bend over backwards to find the films by her favorite directors, um, like Blue Velvet, mm-hmm. Breathless, she, all of these films that she just loved. And there was one figure um, in her life that this film club that they did and named George Cardona? Cardona? Cardona, yeah. Cardona, yeah. Um, who would like, kind of like mentor them. He would show them films. He would sh- talk to them about like how to make films. And so then he was going to be the like executive director, producer on this feature length f- fiction film that she that sandy and her two best friends were going to make Mm -hmm. and they made this film they they shot everything over the summer sandy was the main actor and director of it um i forget every like the other two women women's name is sophie it's been a year since um, i've seen it since i've seen it sophie and jasmine yes jasmine 
were the producer and editor of, of the film. And then they, they film it over the course of a summer and then they all have to go back to school because um, they come back to Sing it's Singapore as well, mm -hmm. filmed in Singapore. They come to Singapore, film the, f film the film over the course of summer, and then in September they go back to college in their various other countries that they attend. And then when they come back, they realize George Cardona has disappeared with all of the film reels and all of the sound reels and everything they've recorded, and he's just disappeared into thin air, and they have no way of getting it. And years go by, they don't know where it is, they don't, and then George Cardona dies, and his wife calls them and says, "We, I have your film. And when they get it, they have the film reels, but they have no, none of the sound recordings. Yeah. And so then the film that you see as Shirko's now is the, um, how they're reworking and giving life to the film that they, that they made in the 90s. But since they don't have the sound reels, they can't, make, they can't edit it together as it is. How, so then, how they, wanted, how they yeah. wanted it to be as a fiction film, so now it's a documentary film about the making, the, about the making mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. the fiction film. It's really, really good. It's really great. Um, when I saw it, Sandy Tan was there, and she is delightful. Um, she was very drunk. It was like a night screening. Oh, really? It started at like 10. Yeah, and so like there was, everyone was like very excited about it, and she was amazing. <laughs> Just really inebriated. Just very excited about <laughs> to see Shirkers. Um, yeah, sweet. Yeah, it's a short introduction yeah jess what are your thoughts what are my thoughts um when did, when did you see it i saw it right at the beginning of 2019 because i was like making my listicles of like what are my top For movies sure. of the year mm -hmm. and somebody was like you have to watch this and now it's my number three <laughs> um amazing film i was feeling so many things at the end of it like at the same time that i was so hurt by like George Cardona and like what he did and all that he represents for like people who like make art and aren't like cis white men. Um, I also felt really inspired to like make my own art because it talks about how like we all have this creative spark and it seems like even though these three people were really affected by what happened, they still like came out like with something powerful they all they all like ended up really successful and like were really hard working um but i don't know there's this huge takeaway of like for me like george cardona like representing all the people particularly like in the film industry you know what's going on kind of like related to like the me too movement and stuff like that and that there is so much art lost and like work lost from people who are like oppressed by the people that they work with or the people who dominate the industry and kind of just mm -hmm. yeah i don't, I don't know sure. yeah like <laughs> um kind of my first question is also also about um george what do you two think do you think sandy spends too much time on him in this movie or do you think she spends an adequate amount of time or not enough time because i mean obviously he's quote unquote the villain of this documentary because he takes this passion project from Sandy and you know yeah just from dies. these like from these teen from these <laughs> from Singaporean teenage like yeah. girls yeah he's yeah. a I think it's more than and just taking you get away some, the footage. and it's also like, he takes away like they're like like their, their passion their, their passion yeah. he takes and, away yeah he manipulates he manipulates them during like the filming too yeah mm -hmm. like it's 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 all just like a game to him almost yeah and then yeah. It, yeah. it's a game power. for him to feel really intellectual and important because yeah. there's a, a major point. I, that is made during the film is that he like kind of um touted himself as this like cinem like yeah, cinematic visionary where like, he was like mm -hmm. we should try this camera angle we should try this movement and they all was like this is great but then sandy says like oh once like i thought that this like shot in the film was really great but then i saw paris texas and i realized it was a direct yeah rip. for sure that that's kind of the, things like that always happen that's and what they get at is yeah. he was he was basically Who's kind of like a loser who he then went to of, Singapore yeah. in order to like manipulate these and it was girls like, and then he felt really important. He was doing this manipulation. It was almost he was doing it over and over again too, because mm -hmm. they introduced yeah. another another guy who was who was kind of and jealousy's a big thing part of this too. I think he was they they talk about this about how he how he just got really jealous 
and really of other people's success yeah. and then would like rip that rip from their from mouths it. and be like oh you're about to become more successful than i am so therefore yeah he's, i'm gonna take this man. from you but so so to answer my question what do you think um spend too much time spend enough time not enough time what do you think um i mean they, i think yeah. it's i think like they spent enough time in that like it is like a really complete picture um i will say that like as the film goes on i become less and less um like into it yeah right. because there's just i mean and it's not bad this is like just personal like <clears throat> taste i thought the increased reliance on like interview on like in face-to-face like floating heads interviews mm-hmm. um kind of took away from what i thought would like was like really formally interesting in the beginning when yeah that's, like, a, that's what you said in your review yeah you said this film struggles to find a specific form and sticking to its 96 minute runtime yes i did i wanted because as it goes on it becomes like this more like you're right chase talking, talking it, like it chases after george cardona it's it's like kind of like becomes this like who done it almost like crime yeah for like, sure we have to find this guy who wronged us which is Fine, I just liked it significantly less than I did in the beginning when she is talking about like her own yeah. passion and she's talking about the zine that they made and how they sent the zine everywhere. Um, but it's also like I want it. I I don't want to like take that out, obviously, because we like George Cardona is like yeah. a raging jerk. Yeah, I mean, and I I just like as it goes on, I just like I get kind of of like the form most mostly because every almost every other film i saw during true false was so like formally like interesting and pushing the boundaries mm-hmm. that i this was like my fourth favorite film that i saw at true false not to degrade shirkers but just as like a testament to like true false has such great yeah, films play what do you think jess about the i mean i i i kind of disagree i feel like george cardona was extremely like essential to the film which like you kind of said but as the film went on, I wasn't becoming bored. I was becoming angry and also like very interested in the psychology of somebody who would do that and the ways that like that, psycholo- that psychology like exists in so many other people. And like while like kind of like upon the surface, like it seems like they focus on George Cardona a lot. It's really about like his effect on them I feel like like the heart is like the fact that this film was like stolen from them because from somebody who was privileged you know they're in Singapore he's an American like they're young women of color they're like teenager he's like a cis white man with all of this power and like access to resources and things like that and so I feel like exploring that is like a huge central theme to the film um so it's not it's not really a, about him, even though we spend so much time with him. I mm-hmm. think it's about the way that he affected those people and how a lot of us are affected by people similar to to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if the, if yeah. At least yeah. I don't know. At least, I I kind of agree a little bit with Molly about this about his his spot in the film. Um, I really think when they go to New Orleans, like I think that's kind of maybe the part you were talking about where mm-hmm. they introduce him. And then, and then they just start trying to like track him. They started to track him down. And I was kind of thinking, I was like, well, we know he's dead. I don't know. I I got the idea where they're trying to like, not, not give him credit, but make him so they give, they, I don't know. They give him I mean, so much trying to figure it out. I know. Cause it doesn't make sense to them. I mean, that's, that's their, like, I got the idea the where the beginning of yeah. like their careers, they were like 18, 19. I'm one of them. I think it was like. Sophie or Jasmine like spent their whole life savings yeah. that they had up to that point. On I don't that. know. I think like, they just they they especially in that scene in, in New Orleans is they 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 kind of put him up on this. They they feel like he's this really important person. I'm like he wronged you because he was a really important person to them and to that making of the film. You know, mm-hmm. I think they're still trapped partially by his manipulation. Like I don't think that you can ever escape somebody who's hurt you that badly. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not that they're like I don't think they praise him or anything. No, I think I think his presence is still very. He almost much has in, their lives. A, in the film an almost like Charles Foster Kane like level oh, of yeah. like hulking menace. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like that's just that like imagery just came into my mind because the of like the like the Citizen Kane kind of yeah, like poster, of, like yeah. Um, and I I 
don't have a like an issue with how much he's in the film uh i because like i agree with jess that he is like such like an influential like figure into how like why this movie even exists in the way it does it yeah. only mm-hmm. exists as the documentary shirkers because of him mm-hmm. if it if if he was not involved if he had not stolen this then the fiction film would be released and we might never see it because it would have been like this you know small indie production yeah. Singapore, um, yeah. no, they so were making it's... a huge deal of it though like people in but the I, film industry in singapore yeah. were really excited about it i don't think it was like kept right but like the way that the american but the american the way that the american film industry like is. i don't think it would have like broken out in the american film industry but i think it would have been like a cult classic that would have changed film history. Like you know, there's that one point that it. They talk about they the talk Cleopatra about, like, one. Well, yeah, Cleopatra. But I'm I'm talking about like I'm thinking of like when they brought up like uh, Ghost World, and okay. like kind of for me like watching it before before they even brought it up like that was like something that w- was in my mind like that mm-hmm. I saw those like the connection and like the way it was filmed and like the the vibe I got from it and like this playful like absurdity. So I, I think it would have had an effect. Like I think, I, it's it seems like people knew about it. Like the people that they were interviewing in Singapore were like, "This is gonna be something, mm-hmm. right?" Yeah. But also, I like even if it like was like a cult, did become would be would have become a cult classic. It's now on Netflix and like everyone. Yeah, for sure. Like it is like a much like it is so mainstream now. Yeah. But the only reason that any of that happened is because he stole it. So I don't take issue with how much and how centered he is in like the latter part latter half of the film i i guess i just like got it got it got it became so like kind of conventional in like how it was setting it up that Mm -hmm. it was like it was still good like i i feel like i'm making it sound like i didn't like the film as much as (laughs) I, i i do i i really love this film um and this is like just like such a like a nagging point yeah but it's a little snare yeah with that, we're going to take a quick break, um, and we'll be right back to wrap up Shirkers and, and talk about what's coming up for Bijou and that film scene. We'll be right back. And we're back on Bijou Banter here on KRUI 89.7. Um, we just spent a majority of time talking about the 2018 documentary Shirkers, and we're just going to wrap up here real fast and, and kind of give our um, <clears throat> takeaway thoughts of the movie and maybe, maybe some suggestions of other films we liked. Because, I mean... We talked about this a little bit too in the beginning where, um, you know, Shirkers and Mining the Gap are very, very, very personal films. Um, They're like uh, personal manifestos. Yeah, because, I mean, Sandy is is the, you know, narrator of this one. We don't really get Bing's narration in Mining the Gap, but, you know, it's obviously about his childhood and mm-hmm. growing up. So, um, Molly, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on, you know, just final thoughts on shirkers and maybe some yeah. other films that kind of talk about this because we've really seen a kind of a revelation um especially with really praised films and that's what i was kind of getting into with um hill county about really personal stories and especially in documentary uh, documentary uh yeah um everyone should see this film everyone it's yes. absolutely like <clears throat> wonderful um yeah i just remembered uh on, on the break it opens the first scene first image in the film is a like negative footage of a swan on uh on like water and i remember when that first opened up and i saw it in like a huge theater i was in the front row and i was like taken aback and i was like this is going to be the best movie i've ever seen in my entire life this is going to change everything because i thought like i thought it was going to be like this you know unwieldy experimental Mm -hmm. like masterpiece um and then it wasn't, but that's great. And like, it's great anyway. I, I like, it just was like, it set me up for something that then I was not expecting. Um, and I wish there was more of that, I think, is maybe what I was trying to refer to before the break. Um, yeah, everyone should see this movie. It's readily accessible. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It's great. Wonderful. See sure. it. Jess, I know, I know you're a big shirkers fan so let's let's hear your let's hear your your call to action here my my call to action i think something that i think mining the gap and shirkers like both films something they do really well is being like self-reflexive like both of them are Mm -hmm. aware of their existence as a documentary and aware of the way that the filmmaker is embedded into that film and so like like you were saying it's a very personal story and we get to exist within like these per these people's like 
spaces and like mindsets and really understand more about like their experiences and how that relates to your own experience and for shirkers it's it's specifically about like making art which is like I think really important to me and I mean, the one thing that we haven't really talked about is how beautiful Shirkers is. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, like the original film is, is so beautiful. And one thing that I, I think Which is, makes my heart break. It makes I think your heart is, break. It makes it your really heart break does. for like what that film could have what been. Because exactly. I'm looking at that and I'm like, why didn't... Because, you know, you don't find out about the whole like missing sound stuff until the very end. And so through the whole film, I'm like, why don't they just make... Like, I want this film so bad. Like, mm-hmm. and then you Lisa realize that a can't. silent film, cowards. <laughs> <laughs> so I just... I think that Shirkers for me represents like this, this heart that's like lost, but the remnants are still there and we want to hold on to those yeah. remnants mm-hmm. so badly, like so badly. And I think particularly for like women and women of color and and various other like groups of like oppressed people like this is something that is so ingrained from like a very young age and having to having that examined is i don't know really important yeah to me. i think it's also the kind of there's an interesting you know message at the end of kind of what you're talking about because that's kind of what they talk about the end of minding the gap where where his mom's kind of like maybe it's time to leave the past and the past and you know mm-hmm. they kind of hit on that a little That's, bit in minding the gap yeah, that, where they're like it's the past leave it in the past and this is kind of like and what you're talking about here is you know no we kind of have to you know we have to look at the past and, and recognize and stuff like that yeah. so there's an interesting at the end of both these films there's an interesting <clears throat> dichotomy there yeah, something that uh sandy chan said at the screening um two things i wanted to mention is first she said that she's like i think every like woman regard like filmmaker or otherwise knows like a george cardona in your life that there's like there's always there's like one like figure who like you just like like does you know something horrible to you like that which i thought was really interesting and then she also said that she viewed the making of this documentary as like a way to put shirkers like to bed but it it has it has eaten up so much of her life that Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. she can move on from that she can get on with her life which i think is like really like beautiful that 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 this film is doing that for mm-hmm. her and then also makes the film that much more powerful yeah right for sure yeah Good. oh and uh another documentary if you lecture because you should watch the gleaners and i by agnes varda they're not really tonally similar but i think they're kind of formally similar where it's like agnes varda like narrating about this thing and it's really good it's one of my favorite films that was a good note to end on molly about uh sandy tan's comments on the film and how it kind of closed this chapter in her life for her um so let's get into our conversation on shirkers i guess like molly said and like we're gonna say here that is that was a netflix distributed movie so if you are interested in this Netflix is there for you if you have a. If the poster is so good. Yeah. Oh, the poster is amazing. There's a, there's a lot of things we didn't color hit on too. Color in this film. Co- <laughs> oh my god. Color invented by Shirkers by Sandy Tan. Yeah. More there's like Golden Hour think. invented by Sandy Tan. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of things we didn't hit on in that film and and. and so you have to watch it. Yeah. Now. So they, yeah. Um, but now we're just gonna break down. We finally have our um, Bijou schedule here. We just got an email. A lot of, all of our Bijou members just got a. Just got a um, schedule of everything coming out here. So now, last week we didn't have a schedule, but now we do. Um, so coming up, Bijou events on February second, Groundhog's Day uh, is our first is our first after hours film of the year, and that is going to be Labyrinth. Um, really famous, Jim Henson, David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Um, that is at eleven p.m. February second. That's going to be Saturday at Film Scene. If you're interested in this, go to bijou.uio.edu for more information on that. Following, sorry, following Labyrinth is going to be the first Horizons film of the year, and that's going to be The Handmaiden, um, which, I've, which I've heard is a really cool movie. Yes. Um, same director as Old Boy, yes, I believe. Um, that is Tuesday at 6 p.m. down at Film Scene as well. Um, the cool thing about Horizons is that we do a. Um, $1,500 study abroad scholarship. So if you go there, they get a passport and you know, you can fill out the passport and, and, and 
enter this drawing for a $1,500 study abroad scholarship. Like I said, Handmaiden, 6 p.m. Tuesday. Well, um, also, also, there's a new program that Bijou is uh, introducing this semester. That's right, yeah. It's Bijou Fridays. So any film at Film Scene, um, after 10 p.m., students with their UI student ID get in for absolutely free. Yeah. 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 So yeah. definitely, if you're interested in any of those things, Bijou Fridays, After Hours, Horizons, and, and we'll talk about Forum, but the next forum, the first Forum film isn't for a couple weeks. So um, we're going to talk about those things coming up. Um, for more information, bijou.uiowa.edu. Um, and that's where you can find all the rest of these podcasts um, and, and episodes here at Bijou Banter. Um, and if you want to learn more about Shirkers or anything Molly talked about on True False, you can go to Bijou Blog and go to the review section and you can find those. Um, probably for next week, I know I mentioned last week that we we're going to be talking about shoplifters, but... Sam hasn't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. I couldn't. There was all, all the times that showed this week uh, were conflicting with my schedule, um, but I found a time next week on Tuesday where I can go see it. So we'll probably be speaking on that. Um, probably, I would think Labyrinth too, maybe our first one. Either Labyrinth or Stan and Ollie. No, we wouldn't. Yeah, you could talk about Labyrinth. Yeah, Labyrinth will be since we are on Friday. Labyrinth on Saturday. The next Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. We, that's that's how they always used to yeah, do our next show banter yeah. is that you always watch the film in advance before Bijou oh. plays it. Yeah. So then you have to track down this the DVD <laughs> and then you have to trade the DVDs in front of Faldo's at 2 a.m. That's how it works. <laughs> um, yeah. So other film scene events that are coming up, like I said, uh, Shoplifter is still there. If Peel Street could talk, which we talked about last week, is still going to be there for this week. Stan and Ollie started its run this week, which uh, documents the kind of the history of Laurel and Hardy, the comedy duo. Um, I don't think we're going to talk about that just because Labyrinth will be the first Bijou Horizons film. Uh, sorry, Bijou After Hours film, and we're going to probably want to speak about that. Yes. Um, so Shoplifters for sure this week. I know Eli's really pumped to talk about Shoplifters. He'll be back. And I know you're ta- you're pumped to talk about Shoplifters. I know, I'm Shoplifters sorry. Shoplifters is sorry. my number one film. I cried <laughs> nine times yeah. last Shoplifters time I watched is it. Really so maybe great. you can come back and talk about Shoplifters I too am. if you want. <laughs> Full house. Um, so Shoplifters and Labyrinth for next week. Um Stay, stay tuned in. I think it's going to be a good episode. Um, two really interesting, <laughs> contrasting films. Yeah. Um, kind of thing we talk about, especially with uh, BJ After Hours films, is it's kind of a, you know, since those are um, fun uh, cult classics, we don't really have a lot of like really in depth conversations, but we're like, this movie is really fun, or this movie is kind of stupid. But um, <laughs> those are usually fun conversations, especially when we talk about After Hours. And it seems like of all, all three of our possible co-host next week we're going to be really excited to talk about shoplifters because you've all seen it and i haven't so yeah (laughs) um so join us next week friday four to five and if you missed any episodes like i said bijou.uiowa.edu to check out any other episodes of bijou banter for jess molly and for myself this has been bijou banter you guys enjoy the rest of your friday and stay warm have a good one